0: Hello and welcome to Love Signals. My name is Michaela McDonald and I will be your host as we go on a journey of exploring all of the ways that God is sending love to us and through us. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 58, and that means we just have one more until we do a reflection episode. Episode 60 will be that one. And I'm looking forward to that one because. My oh my, a lot has happened between episode 50 and now. And I, uh, you know, can't even wait to see what happens between now and episode 60. (laughs) Ah. The intro, as you might have noticed, has been updated if you're familiar with the show. And it feels so right to be honoring God and emphasizing God because my life has become so transformed by my relationship with christ and with being a christian and it feels so important to let all aspects of my life emphasize my relationship with god and bring glory and praise to him so today is the fourth of july And here in America, that means it's Independence Day. This is a really profound day when it comes to our country. And I actually have been so busy with other life logistics and plans and ideas that I haven't really spent a lot of time reflecting on the national joy of this day. And instead, I've been thinking more about the themes of freedom. And as I did a little bit of biblical exploration of freedom, it became very apparent very quickly that freedom and forgiveness are tied in the Christian view. And what does this mean? Well, I will say I don't fully know and I'm still learning. But my sense is so far from what I've read is that forgiveness is the path to freedom. Forgiveness is part of how we experience freedom. And forgiveness is a big, big topic in life in general and in the Christian faith in the Lord's prayer, which I'll recite here in a moment, which is a prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples, not only as a prayer that one can say specifically, but also as um, like a prayer structure guideline of kind of the different the different aspects to include in your prayer. And one of the core parts of the Lord's Prayer is about asking God to forgive our trespasses as we forgive the trespasses of others. And so this idea of trespasses is I believe the, the kind of definition or the meaning of that word is when people have wronged us or when we have wronged others, right? It's this trespassing. And it is so profound because God really wants us and really instructs us in the Bible to that, that we need to forgive others for God to forgive us. That it's actually it's, it's part of his will for us is that we are forgiving of others so that we may too be forgiven by God for the, the wrongs that we do, which we all, we've all probably lied or stolen or, um, you know, committed some of the other Ten Commandments, um, kind of thou shall not, you know. <laughs> um, and so we've all wronged God and we need his forgiveness. And he's so willing to give it. So, so willing to give it if we merely acknowledge our wrongdoing and seek, seek his forgiveness and, and also acknowledge the grace, the free gift of salvation that his son, Jesus Christ has given us through his sacrifice. I know that's a lot of words that sound very, <laughs> very Christian. There's very specific language that this, this faith requires in a way, and I, I've, I think part of why I've been emphasizing using the specific words that are scripturally correct and scripturally used is because I don't want to water down. The word of god i don't want to water down the gospel because i care about whoever is listening i care about your soul and i care about you understanding the truth that the only way to the father is through the son as jesus said and he describes himself in another passage as i i am the gate the gate is narrow the path is narrow and that the path to destruction is very wide and and it's, I think it's gates are many or something like that. Uh, please, that is not an, an, an accurate <laughs> scriptural quote right there. But that that's general idea of there's many paths that it's very easy to walk the path that isn't of Christ, isn't of respect for God. Uh, and it is a narrow path that he's asking us to walk. There is a pigeon outside of my studio and I just heard it moving around. And um, it was slightly alarming. <laughs> we have pigeons here in the desert. It's very charming, actually. <laughs> they're very, they're kind of like friends. <laughs> um, so yes so forgiveness i'll recite the lord's prayer now and i'll pause long enough so that if you want to repeat each line after me you can and i would highly encourage you to try it out i know that early on in my christian journey i was listening to somebody talking about the lord's prayer and and describing how it is not just a prayer on its own that's valuable but that it's An instruction for how to pray, that it's structurally um, indicative of how we can create prayer, you know, and 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 choose to pray to God. And he asked the audience to recite the prayer with him in a repeat after me fashion. And I remember halfway through I felt something come over me. I it's like I felt. The Holy Spirit and I wasn't saved at that point but I I know that God God is here for all of us and is eager and willing and ready to engage with us even if we're not saved even before we're saved now it is important and I believe this as a Christian to give your yourself to Jesus to proclaim with your mouth that he is your Lord and Savior and to believe wholeheartedly that he died for our sins and he was resurrected. And that, he, that through believing in him you can be saved. Um, this is eternity, right? That, that, that because of being saved through him, that we can spend eternity with him in heaven when we die. Uh, and I know, I know it deep, deep in my bones that God can work through us and with us even when we're lost, even before we come to Christ. And even if we never come to Christ, God can still be in our lives. But once again, there's, there's a split at the end when we die of where we go. And so I encourage you to try this out. It won't hurt you. (laughs) Um, And. Yeah, so here we go. So the Lord's Prayer. Side note, there are many postures that one can assume physically while praying it's really interesting i think it's in catholicism that they really emphasize like kneeling and your head being downturned and your hands being together or clasped and all of that and that's lovely and that's fine and if that's how you want to pray that's great but um i was doing some research on this and i think i've mentioned this in other episodes that often prayer and and when people were praying in the bible and as it's described. They pray with their hands, their arms outstretched, their hands towards the heavens, and even their face towards the heavens. So it's a very open, it's kind of the opposite of this, you know, kind of down, downturned um, gaze and kind of kneeling. So play with it. Uh, that's something I've really enjoyed. I know sometimes when Dylan and I pray, we'll hold hands with one hand and then we'll have our other arm out kind of and open and we'll close. I often close my eyes, but I don't always close my eyes and kind of turn my my head either up a little bit or sometimes i'll bow my head there's no wrong way to to, position wise to pray um so anyway i just thought i'd mention that that you can play with the posture of prayer eyes open eyes closed arms outstretched arms raised towards the heavens hands clasped i know when i was traveling recently It felt really right to just clasp, intertwine my fingers, clasp my hands, rest my elbows on the armrests of the plane or the car, wherever I was, and to close my eyes and bow my head as I prayed. I think partly it felt more private that way, too, since I was, you know, surrounded by many people, usually, on a plane. Okay, without further ado, let us say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in Heaven, So whether you joined in with me or not, I hope that hearing that prayer brought some grace into your life and perhaps brought some insight into your mind as well. So that, that section of, you know, forgive our, us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, asking for forgiveness, And there's also this emphasis in the Lord's prayer of, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There's this emphasis in all prayer I've learned as a Christian on letting it be about what God wants. And oftentimes people will conclude their prayers with this phrase in Jesus name and this is so cool to me. I didn't know this right away, but now I know. Well, I've known for a while now, but it makes so much sense to me, and I love it. So when you say, in Jesus' name, and, it, you know, you could say a whole prayer, right? You know, like, dear Lord, please bless me today. Thank you for this day. I'm so grateful for this life and this food and this shelter and the people in my life. And please help these, these people. Please Guide me. I'm just giving kind of an example of a prayer. And then you would conclude, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Or simply, in Jesus' name, amen. And what that means is that you're saying, whatever Jesus wants. Like, yes, I have this prayer. Yes, I have these ideas of what I'd like help with and and how i need support how i need you god but ultimately i trust you so much god that i want to do what you will for me please jesus christ please guide the outcome please guide the entire process if it's not of your will i don't want it and so in a way it's a wonderful way to kind of re-emphasize that this is about christ and it's also a wonderful way to insulate ourselves from our own human fallibility we may think we need something and god may know in all his infinite wisdom that that's not what we need that's not what we need or even what the ripple effect of of what the community or the world needs And he gives us exactly what we need when we need it. This idea, too, of the daily bread, I feel like this ties into this well. I believe it's that when, uh, I think it was the Israelites were wandering the desert for 40 years, God gave them manna, and this was a form of nourishment, but he only gave them enough for each day. He didn't say, here's your big stockpile, and now you know that you're going to be okay. He simply gave them what they needed each day. And this is such a beautiful idea to me because I think it's so easy as humans, out of our desire to be comfortable and preserve, you know, resources and all that, to have more than we need and to feel secure only when we have more than enough. And there's a subtle, if not overt, displacement of our our will and our know-how and and God's will and God's power, right? We're like, no, no, I know better than God in this matter. I need to, (laughs) I need to be the one in charge. And so much chaos comes from that thought. That reminds me, I was reading, and please forgive me if I've said this before, but also I don't know if it's that big of a deal because this to me is so profound. If I've read this before in the podcast, I think it's fine because I think it's worth repeating. This wonderful Bible that I have, the Woman's Study Bible, New International Version, um, has all these really useful commentaries. And so in Romans, which that's the book that I'm in now, I've been reading the book of Romans, which was written by Paul, who became such an incredible disciple uh, of Christ. And he has such an interesting story that I haven't read yet because that's an act um, of just really being against Christ and really persecuting Christians and then having this profound transformational experience. And coming to Christ and then being like such a strong advocate. Many of the books of the Bible are actually written by Paul. Um, So this is simply a commentary. And I found it in Romans um, where it's, you know, talking about God's faithfulness and um, that God is righteous and, and that we can experience righteousness through faith but here it describes what sin is and I'd love to read the description to you all because this really felt profound to me and and I feel like it ties into this idea of God's will for us versus emphasizing our will and and overvaluing our ourselves and our opinions and all of that which I don't see how that's related to forgiveness or freedom in this moment but I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure I'll be able to loop back to that um I, I really ask that God helps this conversation and helps lead, lead this podcast as I explore all these things, all these parts that may feel disparate in this moment. I really ask that he help guide my mind and my heart and my words that I may illuminate his truth to you all. So here, let me read this to you all. So this is in reference to... Um, Chapter 3, verse 23 in Romans, which, what was that part? That was where he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful passage, actually. There's more around that Um and actually, you know what, let, let me just read that little bit to you all because I think it's worthwhile scriptural context for this commentary that I want to read. So I'm starting with Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And I'll be repeating that little part I said. So, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith, He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So one important thing to note that I've really been learning a lot about is that the Jewish faith... Especially in this time, but I, I believe this is still true. Really emphasized the laws, the, the and and it was, and in a way, the laws, the laws of Moses, the law of you know the Jewish faith, and how all these things, you know, you can't touch this, and you can't eat that, and you have to do this on this day, and all it was very intricate, and a lot of the spiritual leaders that Christ was bumping up against and and having issues with were jewish leaders who were so worried about obeying the law that they ignored christ and they weren't able to receive the message of god as it came through christ and part of this emphasis on the the law was that they they were emphasizing that they get to they will be they will be able to please god and and win god's approval Through their works, through their actions, not necessarily through their faith. And part of what Christianity emphasizes is that it's through our faith alone that we are redeemed and that we are saved rather than our acts. And many people who live in this day and age really emphasize no, I'm a good person. I, I, i'm kind and i'm caring and i do good things but christianity is very clear and very specific in naming that it's not the things that we do that that designate where we go after we die or that deliver us from damnation Uh, that honestly actually haven't heard that word necessarily but that's you know, a good description of what one might experience if they don't go to heaven. but it's it's not our our actions. It's not what we do while we're here that determines that. It's our it's our faith, and it's the giving of ourselves to Christ. And so that being said, there's all this stuff about how being Christian and part of turning yourself towards God is letting yourself be made anew and being born again through your faith in Christ and turning away from sin, turning away from... So so in a way, it's, it's not that it has laws or rules, but there are ways to live in accordance with what God wants for us. And then there are ways to disobey that. And because, and I'll speak personally, because I have so much love for God and so much trust in God and his love, I feel so not only eager and willing to follow his, his, uh, commands for us, his rules for us, but I actually feel incredibly loved and incredibly cared for by the fact that he does outline, Hey, this is, this can lead to destruction. This can lead to chaos don't do it, do this, do this, focus on this. And it's wonderful to have the text of the Bible because it gives us such great discernment. It empowers us to be discerning between what is godly and what is not and what will bring greater light to our lives and what will bring darkness. And so it's not that being a Christian means you can, oh, I have faith and that's all I need and I can sin willfully. I don't have a desire to do that. And that's the thing about being saved is that there's this transformation that occurs and the Holy Spirit lives in anyone who is saved, who is who has given themselves over to Christ. And it's a transformative experience. And I feel how it's guiding every aspect of my life, every thought, every emotion, every impulse. So, so that's the, that's all those thoughts. Now I'm going to read the commentary. Uh, So this is about sin. It's talking about specifically the, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So sin is, um, from the Greek word hamartia or hamartia, I don't know how one pronounces that exactly, and it means to miss the mark, falls short of attaining God's standard. Sin falls short of attaining God's standard. Sin is often identified as deeds such as stealing, murder, adultery, or lying. However, a more fundamental attitude deep within the human heart underlies all sins and is expressed as, I know better than God in this matter. This attitude led Eve to that first fatal disobedient act in the Garden of Eden. Adam had told her that God had forbidden the eating of the fruit, but when the fruit was presented to her as good, pleasant, and desirable, she allowed her own judgment to take precedence over the word directly from God. And she ate the forbidden fruit. God has not given us his word so we can make a reasoned evaluation of his judgment and decide whether or not we want to obey. He has given us his word because that word is truth and life and we are to obey it without question and with unhesitating confidence. To follow our own judgments in disobedience of God's word is to put self in the place of God no matter how innocent or noble the deed may seem. And this is where I really... So the two parts that stand out to me about that actually before I say what I was going to say is, um, you know, it's this idea of this basic attitude of I know better than God in this matter. And this reminds me of something I've talked about a lot on the podcast of give it to God, right? Don't don't focus on you and and rely to so much on I know best and I can figure it out. Oh, I, 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 I you know, <laughs> rely on God, give it to God. And I feel like this names that so well of that tendency that that fundamental attitude deep within the human heart that underlies all sins and is expressed as i know better than god in this matter i can experience that even still to this day right and it's like oh right yeah i'm human and and sin is part of what i've inherited as being human and i can be redeemed through christ and and also uh, sin is still present until christ returns which i'm still learning that's one whole other thing i'm still learning about too (laughs) Um, so letting ourselves rely on god letting myself rely on god i feel relief when i let myself rely on god And that word has been coming up a lot for me lately, relief, the deep relief that I feel in knowing what God wants for me by spending time with the Bible, by spending time in prayer and by feeling so filled with the Holy Spirit. I think I just heard the first firework go off. That's pretty fun. We live out in the desert. I'm sure people will be (laughs) putting some fireworks uh, up into the sky. The other thing that stood out to me about this whole commentary was um, God has not given us His word so we can make a reasoned evaluation of His judgment and decide whether or not we want to obey, because once again, that's that's it's emphasizing our know-how over God's, and I know this is where things can get really sticky and tricky and weird for people because there have been so many. Religious leaders, cult leaders, just dark, dark, darkness (laughs) that has used that concept of do not question God as a way to manipulate their followers because they're placing themselves or some, you know, God or idol as a replacement for the one and true God, which is what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about the one and true God. And so when we start to edit the gospel, when we start to make God into the flavor we want him to be in, that path leads to so much darkness and so much destruction because it's not truly God. It's not the the full and true God that we are, listening to and obeying and that's part of the gift of the gospel and the gift of being deeply steeped in God's word is that we're able to understand what he really wants and we're able to also have discernment when we come across ideas from friends or spiritual teachers or people on YouTube or whatever we can measure what they're saying we can weigh it against The scripture, does this align? God is actually very consistent. And I think one of the things, one of the ways that the enemy, so to speak, darkness, seeks to undermine God and seeks to capture more souls to (laughs) bar them from experiencing salvation and redemption and getting to be in heaven is by confusing people is by sowing seeds of doubt. I mean, that is literally what the serpent was doing with Eve. All he really said was, are you sure that God said it wasn't allowed? Are you sure that you're going to die? Are you really sure that eating this is going to do all those bad things? It wasn't, you have to do it because I want to control you. (laughs) It wasn't overt. It was subtle. It It was tricky. It was deceptive and that is often the form that darkness takes it's it's deceptive it's skewing reality and so that is part of my passion for spending so much time with the bible each day and really reflecting on what what is what is this saying what does this mean and learning from other people who are focused on scripture who are relying on scripture to guide their understanding of Christ and their understanding of all of life and all of existence, uh, because I want to know the truth. And that leads me to, I think sometimes there can be this idea, even even with what I was just saying, you know, rather than weighing God's rules against your own judgment, just believe it, believe it and obey. And I think that idea can leave us with the sense of, oh no, I'm not allowed to question things, which... I, I like cannot tolerate when we're not allowed to question things. I It's like I almost feel allergic to that. And that was something I, I know I really bumped up against a lot when I was first exploring Christianity because I felt confused. I felt like, wait, like am I not allowed to question God or to have doubt or to push back or to need greater answers? And the truth is Christianity is – so supportive of questions and so supportive of really really digging in to find what's true to to discover the truth and so many of the Christians the like biblical historical Christian people who I listen to and follow on YouTube and through books and the fellowship of friends that I've come to know who I'm so grateful for They are so encouraging of questions and they are so encouraging of each of us really pursuing truth and pursuing fully understanding. And if you doubt, even if you are faith, you know, faith-based and you are Christian, it's okay for you to experience doubt too. It doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian or that something's wrong with you. There's so much encouragement of... Hey, bring your questions. God is here to help strengthen your faith. And what you need to do is just share it. Share your questions. Don't be afraid to explore and seek out, excuse me, seek out the truth. And that to me is such a sign of health, such a sign of strength and health and because, you know, maybe one of these days on one of my podcasts or a handful of podcasts, I'll go over the different spiritual experiences I had before I became Christian, the different schools that I went to and uh, kind of new age, spiritual, religious things that I was exposed to. But I was always very, very... Uh, resistant to when it was like this is the way and there's no other way and don't question it and it's interesting to be christian now because it is a very the gospel itself is very exclusive it's jesus is the way the only way the only way to the father is through the son that's that's in scripture that's those are words that jesus said that are i think from john um and And yet, upon examination, upon deep research that many others have done, that I've done my own versions of, there is a great book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Frank Turek. And he's a great co-author, I'm forgetting the co-author's name, but basically acknowledging that Any belief that any of us have about life and death and the afterlife requires some level of faith. And throughout this book, I'm partway through it, but throughout this book, Frank Turek and his co-author are showing how it actually takes more faith to be an atheist, more faith to believe that there is no God than to believe that there is a God who created all of this. And so that's something that I, in a way, I see with many people who were atheists who become Christian is that upon exploring Christianity and, and trying to debunk it, they realize how how much truth is behind it and how <laughs> it's kind of amazing to witness. Something I'm curious to see if I learn more about in the coming weeks and months is People who have been more pantheistic, believing that God is everywhere in all things, or or just more of the New Age um, belief system, and what happens when they explore Christianity? Because in that there isn't necess- it isn't the need to jump from there is no God to there is a God. It's more of a, it's God isn't everywhere. You aren't God. God isn't in everything. God is God, and this is his creation, and you are part of his creation. Uh, At least that's the Christian view. And uh, I'm curious to see what I learn from, like, what what that transition looks like for people. And I know I'm, I have experienced that. I'm continuing to experience that. And, um, hmm. I really see how, once again, uh, chaos, darkness seeks to disorient us and confuse us. And there is so much clarity and relief and light in Christ. And so... To circle it back, I'm just gonna bring up forgiveness and freedom and just see what see what I'm led to share. There's a beautiful piece of scripture from John chapter 8, verse 36 that says, For if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. I'll say that again. For if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. I think that true forgiveness, true freedom, true love, true care is something that I've never experienced until I became Christian. And that's a pretty strong claim to make. So much of my life felt very filled with Love and freedom and joy and care and compassion. But I need you to know that it is, a, it is a whole other world. It's like entering another dimension to experience the true love of Christ and the true freedom of Christ and the true forgiveness And care and compassion that only Christ can provide and because where there where light isn't right darkness is anywhere that light isn't and once light is there the darkness can't be there and because Christ isn't in all of our lives and because he hasn't returned darkness is here and it and it seeks to twist and and deceive and and it uses us to act, it uses us to to destroy. And so part of the fullness of the love and the fullness of the freedom that I feel in my life now comes from the banishing of that darkness because of Christ and so i think it it's in a way it's impossible for me to talk about freedom without acknowledging how it doesn't it, it doesn't i believe that 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 true freedom can't exist without Christ and that it's it's a free gift as is salvation christ is giving it to us freely All we need to do is accept it. And He loves us so much. He loves you so much. God loves you so much. And He doesn't want you to be destroyed, He doesn't want you to suffer now or in the afterlife. He wants you to be with him. Some people say that part of why Christ hasn't returned is because of God's mercy. God wants to give us all even more time to come to the foot of the cross and to declare Christ as our Lord and Savior and to give our lives to him so that we can be saved, so that we can experience true love and true freedom. I know that I want that for each and every one of you listening. And I know that it may not be comfortable to hear what I'm saying, or maybe it feels great. Maybe you're like, yes, preach. Tell it. I don't I don't know. I don't know who's listening to this. I'm just sitting in a room on a Tuesday night talking to the... <laughs> the future possibility of you, dear listener, listening. So thank you for being here with me. Thank you for listening. I can't help but feel that these past handful of episodes have been robust and, and maybe all over the place, but I I feel so convicted of my faith and my love for Christ and my love for you and my desire for all of us to experience the true love of Christ and the true freedom that comes through Christ. So may you be blessed. May you, may you receive God's love today, wherever you are, wherever you're at. May freedom and true love, true freedom, true love become part of your experience through Christ. And I welcome you, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your heart, and your mind, and your faith, you are welcome here. You're welcome here. I am so grateful for your listening here, and there is so much love here for you. May you be well. Until next time, take care.